Hi, and a warm welcome to all of you. Glad you could join our podcast. My name is Kate Pohl, and I'm the head of Bank and Partner Strategy at TraxPay. That is in my addition to my work in advisory, consulting, coaching, and innovation research. I have a long and rich background in commercial banking. My partner is Stephen Batist, the CTO of TIS. Stephen is our resident tech wizard. He began writing code at age seven and designing video games when he was a mere teenager. Stephen has never looked back since. Today, we're looking at a topic that's very much in the news, and I think one that we really do need to explore. So Stephen is ready. Our topic today is deep fakes. So without further ado, I'd like to start my interview with Stephen. Before we actually get into the deep and dirty and meaty, nitty gritty, et cetera, et cetera, uh, can you tell me, is this really deep fakes? Is that two words or is it one word or where did this come from? Yes, it's actually a contraction of deep learning and fake, which is how we get the deep fake. So it's actually one word. Oh my gosh. Okay. So now for all of you out there who've been doing this wrong, you know better. So can you explain exactly what it is to us and how it works? So it's the faking of audio or visuals. And the term deepfakes originated around 2017 from a Reddit user named Deepfakes. <laughs> really? <laughs> but the actual faking, as we know it, has been around, like we all know Photoshopping. So it's been around for a long time. What makes deepfakes different is it, it leverages powerful techniques from machine learning and artificial intelligence to automatically generate these fakes. And that's the big problem is it's now so easy to do so. Machines can do it. So you're suggesting that even someone like me who is much less technical could actually get involved. Oh, definitely. That's scary. Yeah. That's scary. I just want to put that out there. Okay, so you're, you know, you're talking about uh, the Reddit user in 2017, but how long have we really been working with this concept? It's not that new. It's older, isn't it? So as most artificial intelligence uh, research comes usually from academia, and so it actually started in the 1990s, but to answer your earlier question about can you get into this, in 2018, a desktop application called FakeHat was launched and it allowed anyone with a PC to create their own deep fakes. And since 2019, many of these have been open source now, so you don't even have to pay anymore to do a deep fake. Oh, great news. Okay. Um, you know, we talked about, or you just mentioned AI actually, and that's something we've covered in the past in our podcasts. And I know it's a, a theme that's that's very interesting to our audience. Can you can you explain what techniques are similar in this whole creation of deep fakes? How is uh, how is that part or is that part of the AI subset? So they use neural networks, as we've talked about before on the podcast, and it's a type of neural network called an autoencoder. Uh, and this includes a encoder, which reduces the images to a low, lower dimensional space. And then a decoder, which reconstructs the image from the latent representation of this. A more popular way to do this nowadays is to use generative adversal networks or Ooh. GAMs for short. I think you should probably, before we go on, what does that mean? So 
this is actually really cool technology and is very, very powerful and goes way beyond just deep fakes. Like we've seen models like GPT-3, which is the, the big uh, way of making fake news where you can just feed into text into a system and it'll start writing further sentences from that text. Okay. So the way it works is you have one neural network that's just writing sentences. And because you've not really trained it much, it's just going to write pretty much garbage. Mm -hmm. You have another neural network at the side of it that is trained in detecting good sentences. Ah. So in the, in the world of deep fakes, you have one system that's creating just images mm -hmm. and another system that's, that's determining whether that's a proper looking image. And then the two work together to train each other so they get better and better. So it's a little survival of the fittest and machine exactly, learning. Exactly, yes. And yeah. machine learning combined, right? Yeah, okay. and that's where the adversarial network time comes from because they're both competing with each other, but at the wow. same, same time getting better and better and better. So in the terms of deep fakes, it's one of them is looking at how it can like put Donald Trump's face onto Obama, while the other oh. one is saying, this does not look like Donald Trump and Obama yet. And they keep working together until eventually they'll say, okay, then this actually doesn't like Donald Trump and Obama. Just want to tell you that that is a nightmare. So, I mean, you know, okay, all right. Yeah. So, so it's actually a lot more complex than I just explained, but that's the basics of what's actually going on. But because of this, they just get stronger and stronger. And the more compute power you put at it, the better it can get at faking. But academia is also inventing new ways to actually make this more efficient for computing power, which is where we're seeing the big like jumps in AI technology, being able to do better and better deep fakes without necessarily needing more compute power. Let me stop you right here, though, because you've, you're bringing up a good point. So now we understand a little bit about how it works and how it got there. Fascinating, actually. But what do we use it for? What are there good use cases? Are there reasons to do it other than being naughty and putting, oh, my gosh, I won't say it again, whose face on whom? So whenever there's cool new technology, it's usually adopted by the nefarious people first. So it's definitely being used for bad things like blackmail, where people are being falsely incriminated. As we probably know from the mainstream press, pornography, where you get famous actresses overlaid on pornographic actresses. This is sadly happening a lot. And as we know as well from politics, were people like Nancy Pelosi, we remember she was uh, modified by a deep fake in order to make it look like she was drunk. And I think Fox News actually ran with that story as if it was real. So it's very, very dangerous and very, very easy to also create these fakes. Now that's it. You're not, you're not making me feel really comfortable yet. I'm just going to put that out there, Stephen. So uh, is there anything good coming from this? Give me some good news, please. So we do see it being used in art. Uh, and even as early as 2018, there was some deep fake artwork being made. And we have seen it in acting. David Beckham made a fairly famous commercial about malaria awareness. And he used deep fakes to actually speak in nine different languages. Now, well, we all know David Beckham's not like ever going to be able to speak nine different languages, but it looked realistic enough that people actually believed he could speak in nine languages. That's cool. And another good 
places, recreating historical figures for educational purposes. Like imagine if you had normal actors acting out a scene from the past, but then you overlay Abraham Lincoln's face as a deep fake. You could actually have people from the past reenacting as they actually were the people themselves who were of that period. So what, what we're doing is, is uh, if I understood you correctly, so uh, taking acting as an example. So there's a scene that takes place with obviously actors of today, but you're overlaying the faces of the people who were actually there in history and it could look that realistic. Yes, yeah, definitely. Is that, is that sort of like the Forrest Gump? sort of example where I, I don't know if you remember. Forrest, the- <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually kind of like the example was Forrest Gump was made manually. They used like CG artists to actually recreate those characters. Uh, yeah. This way is completely automated. So it's wow. a lot more effective and it's a lot cheaper to do so. So that's why it'd be good for educational purposes where there's not as much budget as big mainstream films. Wow. So there's some real there's actually really some interesting and very useful and very helpful cases um, where we could use this kind of technique. Definitely, and I've actually used it myself as well uh, for making synthetic brains for medical AI training. So it's a way of creating fake brains based on the real brains that are pre-annotated with certain conditions that you can then train AI models on these synthetic brains. So it's a way of creating a larger data set when there's just not enough training data available. And in the case of brain images, a lot of the time you just don't have enough data to make a meaningful training model. Wow, so we could really actually use this kind of technology, I say deep fake, ooh, to help us actually cure people in the, you know, in the health uh, care industry, correct? Definitely. Yeah, and I think the name deepfake itself makes it sound scary. Yeah. And and kind of like the dark net type of world, but it can be used for good, and we're probably seeing, going to start seeing a lot more uses for good, but there'll still be people using it for bad at the same time. Yes, our nefarious actors, as you mentioned. But what are some of your, uh, you know, you talked about good applications, bad applications, but what are some of the concerns that you have with this technology? Definitely around fraud. Um, in 2019, a UK-based energy firm CEO was uh, deep fate for the audio. And he was somebody scammed by calling up uh, one of the company's executives and requesting, pretending to be the voice of the CEO, that they transfer 220,000 euros to a Hungarian bank. And they got away with it. People completely believed it. So, yeah. And then just credibility and authenticity. Like, how do you know that somebody has actually done a crime when it could be fake footage, it could be fake video footage? There's there's many, many of these problems where how do you know what's real anymore? Wow. Okay, well, you've just asked the question for me, but how do you know it's real and how can you detect or maybe prevent, but at least detect it? So there's many ways to try and do this. And the simple ways where you can just actually put like watermarks on videos that can be recreated so that people can actually verify whether it's still the original source material, it's not being tampered with. 
Uh, academia is also spending lots of time researching this and ways to, to solve these problems. There's the famous moving ghost pixel where you, it's kind of like a watermark and it's where you can actually detect when there's a deep fake watermark created because the pixels don't quite match the way they should in a normal video. And then to go back to the discriminator we talked about with the neural networks, people are actually using those that are highly trained to look for deep fakes to actually be able to spot when something's a deep fake and not real. Other techniques also include blockchain, where you can verify videos by just having them in a public blockchain. But I really think the AI side of it will be the, the best solution because the best way to combat AI and computational power is to have other AI also competing against this. Okay, so fight like with like. Exactly. Okay, so that, that makes sense to me. But now I'm worried about my next phone call from you, Stephen. Is it really Stephen or is it my deep fake? <laughs> There's actually a really good video uh, from a paper this year where they can real time now change somebody's image and voice to say anything. So you can pretty much just type anything on the keyboard and the person will say it all real time. So I could be completely faked on this, this call. It could be somebody else ma just manipulating my video image and my audio at the same time. Okay, Stephen, tell me something that no one knows but me. No, only kidding. <laughs> okay. How does this all fit in with, uh, you know, we talk about regulation basically in all of our podcasts because it's important. So is there anything coming up there? Are there new laws? Are there laws, period? It, how do you see this? Luckily, this is a good place for regulation and governments are regulating it. In the United States in 2018, they made the Malicious Deepfake Prohibition Act which was introduced to the Senate. And in 2019, the House of Representatives also introduced the Deepfakes Accountability Act. And several other states have also started legislation around deepfakes. Uh, California is a big one where you actually cannot make deepfakes unless you label it as a deepfake. So people are then aware that it's not real. Uh, China announced that deepfakes are other synthetically fake footage should also have a clear notice on it that it's fake. In the United Kingdom, producers of defake material can be prosecuted for harassment. Okay, so, so in other words, people have realized it, or at least legislatures have realized it, um, law enforcement has realized it, so that we are getting some protection um, that will help us combat or at least control deepfakes. Yes, and, and I think this is really a needed just because computers are getting more and more powerful the technology is more and more accessible we really need to make sure that people cannot use this to as we said just use it for nefarious reasons another question before we close in terms of artificial intelligence does this mean that um, those who are involved with this type of technology and are looking at machine learning who are looking at deep learning all the things we've talked about are they also now very involved with this concept of deep fake or is this a sideline, if you will? Uh, it's the networks where you have the adversal and generative networks working against each other. That's where a lot of research is going into. So it goes beyond deep fakes, the actual technology. Right. Uh, so that's probably one of the big focuses of academia actually. 
Okay, just because there's so, there's so much power could be made from these networks. Mm-hmm. And deep fakes just happen to be this kind of sideline where you can easily prove and get some media attention to how good your paper is that you've just written about a new technique. <laughs> okay, understood. Okay, so Stephen, any final thoughts on this subject? Any tips or tricks for our audience? Yes, so even though deep fakes sound very scary, the actual technology is going to provide many, many benefits beyond deep fakes. And even some of the use cases we've shown for the educational, it's, it's very beneficial. But at the same time, we do need regulation just to make sure that people don't use this technology for, for bad. And we're just going to see more and more of this kind of badness coming out and new and new scary ways. We rely a lot on biometrics for scanning. If that can be fate, it kind of breaks down security. So I think some regulation is good, but it should be the uses of the AI that are regulated not the actual AI itself, because we still need to progress in technology where we're going. And it's been mentioned many times that AI is going to add many trillions of dollars to the global economy. So we don't want to stifle technology just because bad people can use technology. Okay. I think those are words to certainly live by. So thank you very much for that. Uh, Clearly, we need it. Uh, We need to regulate it. We need to understand it but it will help us in, in so many ways. Okay, thanks so much, Stephen. Uh, and thanks to all of you who are listening to Digital Dump. Our aim is to tackle a topic of interest in the world, Stephen's world of technology on a weekly basis. Digital Dump is now available on over 10 platforms, including Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. If you have a topic you'd like to know more about, please let us know. Thanks and bye-bye for now. Thanks, everyone. Bye.